The reading is from Malachi chapter 3. It's on page 908 in the Green Bibles. Malachi chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Great, Judith, thank you very much. Bring this out as a sort of visual aid. And a, a, a temporary altar. It's just a hamper here. We've wanted to get in there already. And uh, as I say, just for the rest, a little group plan for the rest of our time together, I'm going to say a few words. I'm going to invite Mark to come and just take us through one or two presentations here, practical uh, aspects, if you like, of uh, church life, uh, which I hope will help uh, your, our understanding of uh, who we are, how God has blessed us already, and uh, how we attempt to go forward from here. Um, just a little caveat, if I may, again, if you're a visitor here, please excuse us. We don't talk overtly about money every week. Um, actually, that's not quite true. I talk about money every single week, but I think I always say something like, please don't be, feel obliged to give. So I, that's the only thing. Uh, we love people to be free. If you're visiting here, we'd love you just to be a guest and to enjoy our hospitality. Tea and coffee are welcome, our friendship. Any resources, anything that we have, just take it. It's yours. Um, but if you're a member here or considering being a member here, then I hope that this morning will encourage you to kind of, as it were, buy in uh, and measure and express your commitment to the Lord, first and foremost, uh, through membership of the church here. Uh, a little chilling statistic from the um, church press, the Church of England newspaper, that did a survey and showed that 7%, only 7% of uh, all churchgoers in the Church of England are aged between 18 and 35. 18 and 35, 7%. Uh, our regular church goes. What do you think the average age is of someone who worships in the Church of England today? 65, says uh, Sean. 
That's just a, that's a little bit higher than it is. 57, no, it's higher than that. That is bang in between. 61. <laughs> it's about as old as Sean. <laughs> You're looking good from where I'm standing, Sean. Don't, just ignore him. <laughs> 61. 61. And imagine, actually, if you took the uh, Holy Trinity Brompton, I happen to know, has an electoral roll of over 3,000. And the average age of their uh, congregation is 27. So if you took out churches like some of the London churches, I, I, I dread to think what that average might be. And in human terms, I don't believe it for a minute in the Lord's kingdom and economy, but in human terms, the Church of England is, is uh, what, two or three generations from shriveling up and dying. If we look at it just from a human perspective. So I, 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 don't, I, don't, this is, I don't mean to be proud, I just, I just love what God is doing through D. Just in terms of reaching the next generation and helping us to engage with the next generation. I love what the people are doing who uh, organize mummies at the back. It's amazing what they do. Sarah Morganston, who uh, is standing for PCC among one or two others at the APCM, she came to Mumbies the other day, dropped me an email and said, I, I, this is amazing. This is amazing what they're doing. We've got 90 on the books of uh, people in that kind of 18 to 35 uh, age range who are coming and engaging the church. And there are a number who are coming now to church on a Sunday having uh, attended something midweek. I love Harry's prayer and what he's done. But, uh, uh, Lord, he said, we trust you for the resources. And I stand here, if I'm honest, on one, in one, one sort of realm, I'm scared stiff as I look at the challenge that we've kind of um, issued to ourselves. So I think, how on earth are we going to do this? And then I read the Lord through Malachi. Return to me, he says. Bring the whole time. Bring everything as a, as a thank offering. Uh, the things you own, the things you possess, the things you've grown, the people that you are, your time, your energy, your talent. Bring it and test me and see if I will not pour out so much blessing as I open the floodgates of heaven that you will be blessed and through you all the nations will be blessed. And in a sense, Malachi puts into words back then what we as a PCC and as a leadership here, we believe God is calling us to be and to do now, to test God in this. This is an opportunity in a sense here as part of our offering. It's, it's, a, it's a response bit on the order of service. We'll have a song or two of worship, some, some pause for us to reflect on what our response might be to what God is calling us to do. And it's an opportunity to come. We're, we're going to a bit like we do with communion. We won't pass the bags around. I'm just going to invite every single one of us to, to, to stand and make a kind of physical response just to walk to this place and use it. Even if you put nothing in, but just to stand there and say, well, Lord, I'm, I'm going I'm to give myself to you, whatever that means, either in thinking about my commitment and my relationship with you, uh, maybe even to begin to think about a relationship with you, or if I'm in relationship with you, I have a Christian living, personal Christian faith, and I want to respond in some way. We've got some time and talent sheets, we've got some giving forms that we could use by way of response. Test me in this and see if I will not pour out so much blessing that there'll not be room enough to store it. I hope this basket is big enough. Now I come to read these things. But just practically, what is the kind of income? Where do we get our church income from, uh, just on a practical level? And, and also, how do we look to spend it under God? So I wonder if I can invite Mark to come up now. There's one or two slides that he's going to speak to. Uh, and there'll be an opportunity, too, to ask any questions you may have, uh, either of us. Judith is the treasurer here, Mark the warden myself.
morning. Can you hear me? So small, I can't see it. But, uh, yes. Okay, church income. I think the first thing to say is to dispel, dispel a myth that's still very common, even among regular churchgoers, and certainly beyond the that there is some pot of money out there, some large fund somebody has that pays for the church. There isn't any. There is no fund. There is no money. Nothing. It's not there. There is a clergy pension fund, but there is nothing that pays for the church. Everything that happens here in St. Dionysus is paid for by the people of St. Dionysus. Nobody else pays for what goes on here. There is no other source of money, just to be clear on that. So, where does our money come from? We look at the slide. Well, sorry, really very tired. 58% of our money, that's £92,000, comes in regular giving. So that's money given largely by standing order, uh, some money that's given regularly through, through envelopes, so money that's given every week, every month, uh, by members of the congregation here. £92,000 last year. And that's, we have an electoral roll here of around 130, it fluctuates a little bit from month to month, year to year, it's around 130. We have between 50 and 60 regular givers uh, and if you recognize that many of those regular givers represent couples both of whom are on the electoral roll um, you can see that a pretty substantial proportion of our committed membership are regular givers which is good the second major source of money we have is what i've called other giving it's about 12 percent or £19,000 last year. That is the collections at the services, the service in the 8 o'clock. It's collections where we have special services uh, uh, and some uh, outside bodies who, who, who meet here in the church. So, for example, Thomas's school have a service every term. Uh, they have a collection at that service which they very generously give to St. Dee's. So thank you to St. Thomas's, uh, St. Thomas's, Thomas's school for that. Also, uh, we have a number of people who from time to time um, feel they need to make one-off gifts to us, maybe sharing good fortune they've had or just because they feel called to give a specific amount of money at a specific time. And we get each year a few donations like that that just turn up uh, on our doorstep. Uh, last year that came to about that. Most of that money and all of the regular giving is gift-aided, which means we get back £20,000 from the government um, in tax relief. That's about 13% of our income. Other income, £2,500 is not very substantial, but that comes from we hire out the church for a few events each year to outside bodies for which people pay. 
um, we get statutory fees, as they're called. If Tim takes a funeral or a wedding, if Will takes a funeral or a wedding, uh, we are paid a small fee, and Tim and Will have decided not to take those personally, but to hand them over to the church. Um, so that's our other income. In some churches, that figure's higher. If the church runs a lot of courses or events for which money is charged, uh, as some churches do, you may see a larger figure there. But at, at last year and this year, we haven't done that, so that's small. The final figure, which is quite significant, 15% of our income, is what are called other donations, but it's worth explaining where that comes from. Some years ago, we were given a substantial amount of money to support the employment of a, a, a lay worker. Initially, that was focused on women's ministry, but in recent years, over the past five or six years, it's been focused on children's ministry. And we've used that money to pay for Carrie Ann, for those of you who remember her, she was here a few years ago, and now for, for Dee. Uh, however, that donation was a sort of one off fixed sum of money. We've now largely used it up. Um, so we were able to find £24,000 from it last year. This year, I'm afraid there's only £12,000 left. So that's all we'll be able to use this year. The other donation we get is £12,000. That comes from uh, the two charities that own our two church halls. You weren't aware that we had two, some of you may not. We have the big one, the red one over the road, the Mission Hall. Um, and that's owned by one charity. But we have a second hall, which most of you might better know as Zebedee Nursery School, which is actually officially known as the Sullivan Hall. We own in fact, we own the whole building that the YMCA is in, which we get a, a ground rent from the YMCA. And we have a hall, uh, which we um, largely is used by Zebedee Nursery School, but is used by others as well. Those two halls between them generate an income. Most of that income is used to maintain the Mission Hall and Sullivan Hall. It's also used to maintain 16 Parsons Green, which belongs to the charities and which we are able to use to house church workers, essentially at no cost to St. Diana's, which is a, a tremendous blessing for us. And as some of you know, Will and Lisa are living there at the moment. Dee has also been living there for the past six months. However, there still is some surplus income, and within various restrictions on those charities, the charities are allowed to give some money back to the church to further the work here, but also to reimburse us for some costs that the church bears to support running so last year and this year, again, that was £12,000. So that's our income. I've talked about essentially a slight mixture of last year and this year. But the way we've tended to budget in St. D's is to say on the income side, as a first step, let's just assume that this year will broadly be like last year, because why not? But we then look at what we need to spend. We, don't, we look at what we need to spend separately from how much money we think we'll get just by if this year were like last year. So let's look at our expenditure. If you could have the next slide, please. We spend 45% of our money, about £80,000, goes on supporting our vicar, our curate, and the wider church. 
So what, what does that go on? Well, we have to pay Tim, we have to pay Will, we have to pay their national insurance, and we have to make a substantial contribution towards their pension, um, because uh, that's what we have to do, so that they have a pension in old age. And about two-thirds of that 8,000 goes towards that, so essentially Will and Tim Stiker. The way that's paid is we pay money to the diocese, a form of what's called the Common Fund, that they then pay Will and Tim. We also have to pay, or the diocese has to pay, for housing. So we provide, as I said, sort of charity housing for Will. Uh, the charity bears most of the cost of that, but the church has to bear some costs. Uh, the diocese has to pay for the vicarage, um, so that also comes out of that. Church, and there's just some routine expenses that Tim and Will have that also have to be met. You add all of that together, it say it comes to maybe three quarters of that amount. What does the other 20 odd thousand go on? It goes essentially to support the wider church in a number of ways, many of which are in fact very close to home. Um, Tim mentioned that the average age. congregation in Church of England. One of the key things to help us reverse that situation is obviously more clergy um, to go out and evangelise and spread the word of, of God around, around this country. Please say this area, the Kensington area, part of the Diocese of London within which St. Dean sits, is one of the main places from which new clergy are coming, are coming at the moment. There are over 30 in training at the moment. There's another, as many again, I think, Tim, in various stages of considering um, moving forward to ordination and training. When I said there's no pot of money that supports us at St. Dee's, there's actually no pot of money that supports the training either. The Kensington area, which puts forward that number of people for training, has to pay for them. So we have to pay for people to attend theological college, we have to pay for St. Melitus College, um, which is a special ministerial training scheme within the Diocese of London and Chelmsford. That all comes out of common fund, it has to be paid. We've had, I think, tremendous value from that here at St. Dee's over the past few years. We've had Johnny Gumbel, H. Goddard, who were, many of you know here, they were going through training, paid for out of that pot. Will, who's now with us as curate, has benefited again from being sponsored through training by the Kensington area. So that's a significant thing we're paying for from 20,000 pounds. The other thing we pay for is within the Kensington area, we're divided into what are called deaneries, which roughly match up with the local authority boroughs. So we're in the deanery of Hammersmith and Fulham, within which there are 19 parishes. Now some of those parishes are very financially blessed. I have to say we are one of them. We are financially incredibly blessed with what everybody does here. And that is not, however, true of all of the parishes in this area. There are areas of Hammersmith and Fulham which are considerably less affluent than Parsons Green, where congregations struggle to meet all of their costs. And what we do is we share. So the wealthier 
parishes in good biblical fashion give to those who are less wealthy. So part of what we put in, part of that £20,000 goes directly to support work at one or two of the churches such as St Catherine's Westway, the White City, that, that can't manage to meet all of their costs. And again, that's us supporting the work of the wider church. So about 45% to £83,000 goes on that. What do we spend the other 55% on? We spend that on the ministry and mission here at St. Ives. So 55% of what we spend is spent here in, in St. Ives. If we could have the next slide, we'll talk about where we spend that. The biggest portion of our costs, about 60%, 59, just over £59,000, is the other staff who work here at St. Ives. We talked about them well, already included we have here five other people who are paid staff. We have Dee as our children's worker. We have Elizabeth, who's our parish manager, which is sort of an inadequate title for all the very many things that Elizabeth does, from manning the office for when people phone up, visit, uh, keeping an eye on this building, arranging for it to be maintained and looked after, organising many events that Christmas, Easter, summer garden parties, and just many, many things beyond that. So that's Elizabeth. Ang Harrod, who assists Elizabeth on a part-time basis doing some of our essential administration. So for example, we're planning to do some further work in the garden. To do that, we need what's called a faculty, essentially church planning commission. There is a massive amount of paperwork that has to be filled in and chased up to get all that to happen. That's just one thing that Ang Harry helping us do, uh, and there are many other similar things like that. This building has to just be kept clean. Um, it's one of those things one doesn't notice, but actually when you walk in on Sunday morning, this place is beautifully clean and tidy. If you walked in at about mm, 12.30 this afternoon, just after everybody's left, I'm afraid it wouldn't look quite as clean and tidy as it did at 10.30. We have a church cleaner who comes in, you never rarely see him because he comes in at strange hours, but he comes in, he does a wonderful job of keeping this place clean and tidy, but he has to be paid. And finally we have Jamie, who you've heard leading the worship today. Jamie doesn't just stand up here at 10.30, there's a lot of work, preparation, practice, rehearsal that goes on um, throughout the week to ensure that our worship is, is, is led so effectively on a Sunday. Uh, and we also pay Jamie a small stipend. So we have five staff, and that's £59,000 altogether. Our second cost, about 22% of our mission and ministry, is to maintain this building. About £22,000 a year that costs. Where does it go? Quite a lot of it just goes on heating and lighting, to be honest, just heating this place through the winter. Lighting it you know, costs uh, six, seven thousand a year, something of that order, just to keep the place heated and lit. We also have to insure it. Um, it often seems a, a bit of a burden when you don't have a problem. But when you do have a problem, it's jolly handy to have an insurance company that will pay it. Uh, about five years ago, we had a bad flood. Came down here, 
wrecked the organ, which had to be taken apart, wrecked the piano, uh, which had to be taken apart to various other damage. Um, we had to claim, I think, upwards of £20,000 of the insurance at that point. Therefore, it's a good idea to maintain the insurance. That costs us about £5,000 a year. Uh, we also have to just keep this place routinely maintained. We're very, again, blessed by previous generations. This church has been well looked after by many people over many years. It's in very good condition, uh, structurally. Uh, it doesn't take a lot to keep it in good condition, but if we didn't do so, it would quickly deteriorate. It's a Victorian building, it's 125 years old. Uh, if you let a few tiles fall off the roof, damp gets in, dry rot gets in, and suddenly you've got a £100,000 building or more even to replace the roof. So we do have to spend a few thousand each year just doing routine maintenance. And all that together comes to about 22,000. IT and office costs always sounds a bit dull. Uh, but in this age of, age of IT, we now make so much use of information technology. We're using it here. Put stuff up on screens. We use it to generate uh, all the wonderful flyers, um, service sheets, notice cards, special stuff for uh, big, um, big services like Easter and Christmas. It all adds up. A photocopier contract alone costs a thousand or two a year. We have to pay licenses for all the PCs. PCs wear out with heavy use. Every two or three years, you end up having to replace them. Again, it's a thousand or two each time you have to do that. And we spend a lot, I think, very effectively on publicity. So the sort of posters you see out the front, very good, draw attention to us. But again, to have things like that properly and professionally produced does cost some money. And that's about 12%. Finally, services, events, and, co uh, and courses. We don't actually, in those areas, that's where time is actually much more important than money, looking to give some responses. It's where we give our time to all kinds of evangelistic work. And very much the major contribution there is not money, but time. However, there are small amounts of money that are needed to support our efforts. So with an alpha course, we have to buy some books. Uh, other courses are often course material. If we do something like uh, supporting Fair on the Green, we might want to give tea and coffee away as a blessing to people visiting us rather than charge for it. If we want to do things like that, that costs a bit of money. And the, the children's stuff we do as well. There's various bits and pieces we need to buy to support doing the children's work. And all of that comes to about 6%, £5,800. So that's what we spend or plan to spend our money on um, this year. So if we can come to the next slide. Anybody who was good at mental maths and was paying attention will realise that the amount I set out we were going to spend is some £21,918. You all got there, didn't you? More than if we just rolled forward last year's income. Our planned expenditure for this year is £179,418. And if we just rolled forward and, and essentially raised as much money this year as we did last year, uh, we'd have an income of around £157,500 
20 to its under 22,000 pound shortfall. What does that mean if we're to plunk that shortfall so that we can undertake the work as we planned it? Uh, we need to increase regular giving and donations by about 16%. And obviously the gift aid will increase pro rata to that. 16% sounds like quite a lot and quite a challenge, but let me just show you what's happened over the past six or seven years here at St. G's. We have the next slide. You won't be able to read detail, but you get the impression. Back in 2004, just before last year, Sean Atkins was with us, and 2005 at this interregnum, we had a church income of around just under £80,000. Just when these numbers are not strictly comparable with what I've shown you before, because there's one or two things that are in this graph that weren't in the previous numbers. There's um, complicated reasons I won't go into, but broadly, this is comparable. So, six or seven years ago, we had an income under £80,000, near 75000 in fact. You can see that since 2005, our income has gone up, has more than doubled. You might wonder why it goes up so far and drops again. That's because these figures include not just the money we've raised to keep St. D's going, year in, year out, but also, we raised about £40,000 about five years ago to pay for the AV. Uh, year after that, we raised another 25000 to buy a new boiler when the old one blew up. And last year, we raised about £10,000 to replace the notice boards, redo the garden. So, as well as uh, sort of doubling our regular income, we've also raised about six or £70,000 over the past year between 70 and 80,000 to do specific projects here at St. D's. So over about six years, our income has more than doubled. And again, for those of you good at maths, that is about 16% compound growth. In other words, our income has grown about 16% a year, more or less. Uh, which, funnily enough, is about how much we needed to grow this coming year. So if we could manage to carry on growing our income as we've done, we should be okay. Obviously, if we can grow it more, there's more we can do. The more you can raise, which isn't to save money, is money's not the only thing that helps us expand our work, but to the extent that people feel called to do things, having some more money to lubricate it and help, obviously helps. So if we go to the next, You'll be pleased to know the last slide. Just to quantify, 22,000, even if you say it quickly, is a large amount of money. I'll try and break that down a little bit. 22,000 pounds, if I've done my sums correctly, is 423 pounds a week. Which, with an electoral roll of around 130, is about three pounds 25 per week for each member of the electoral roll. <coughs> I'm not, of course, <coughs> suggesting that each member should be doing that. Clearly, people need to give what they, they feel they can, what they feel they're called to give. But just to quantify uh, uh, and put in perspective a, a large, uh, what, what would obviously be a large number. We looked at the number of our regular givers, 50 or 60 people, 
we're talking maybe another seven pounds per week directly. Now clearly, for some people that's an impossibility. Certainly some people should actively be considering, and I would urge them to give less if your circumstances have changed in that direction. You should clearly give what is right. And if that's less, that's great, that's still right. But equally some people may feel they can give more. But if it averaged out at seven pounds per week, regular giver would bridge the gap. I've said regular givers equally, if you feel able to make a one-off gift, that again would, would help. And in previous years, certainly, uh, people have felt able to do that. Again, that's helped us plug the gap. That's all I wanted to say. Very much. It's an opportunity, actually, to say, if you hold on to that, uh, Mark, to say thank you to, to Mark as warden and Judith Vickers as our treasurer. They do a tremendous amount of work throughout the year, uh, just with the, all the accounting and the finances, to be able to produce uh, these figures so accurately and neatly like this. Let, let's just show our appreciation actually, for all the day. <laughs> Quite a lot to take in. I, I appreciate it. But there may be some questions that you've got. Uh, and if you've got questions that come to you, then please do either come to me or Judith or Mark, uh, other members of the PCC. Their pictures are up on the board at the back there uh, throughout the year at any time. But if there's a, a burning question right now, something that maybe wasn't clear, something you want to ask, uh, maybe a, a particular detail, something about the plans or the vision, then uh, there's an opportunity now. We've got the mic. If you'd like to. Yes, Rosemary. Just there. Just so we catch the question. I always give up drink for Lent. <laughs> and so I, during Lent, I usually put a bottle of gin in, into the collection. <laughs> <laughs> not literally, <My>, Rosemary. <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try not to stop at the end of Lent. <laughs> oh, bless you. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, it's that, that's the kind of... That's the kind of uh, yeah, indeed. Well, actually, at the PCC, we discussed that's, um, that's less than two lattes a week, uh, is, is one way of looking at it. So are there little things we could just rearrange, luxuries perhaps, that uh, we could put to one side and the money could go towards that? And if we all thought collectively like that, then we'd, uh, we'd rise to the challenge. Any other comments or questions? Okay. Well, thank you. Um, and what I want to do now, Mark, thank you very much indeed. I'll just take this down. I want to allow, just to invite the musicians back, uh, and they're going to play just while um, I think the team at the back have got some leaflets. Can you indicate if you would like either a standing order form or a time and talents form? We can give in a number of ways, uh, financially, but also with our time and our uh, creative talents and so on. So we've got the team here, and uh, they've got some pens too, so if you want to fill in and have something to give by way of response to this basket here, then please just indicate as they walk down the, the aisles. We'll have a moment just, just for quiet reflection and prayer for us before God to consider returning to him, bringing the whole of ourselves, testing God in this, and see if he will not open heaven's floodgates and pour out blessing to continue the life and ministry and mission of this church. So just indicate if you'd like one of these from uh, Colin and Ros. 
Uh, and then what I'll invite them to do in just a few minutes is um, rather like we do at communion, if we come up from the back to the front, as it were, and uh, just use this hamper here as uh, a kind of place to pause before God to give thanks to him for all that he's given us and uh, either actively or in other ways to consider your response. Present yourself, really, the whole of your life in front of this basket. Do pause if you want to pray. Ask God for guidance, wisdom, revelation, for healing, for blessing. Trusting Him in His Word, that when He says, test me, He means it. And when He promises that He'll pour out so much blessing, He means it on your life, on our corporate life here, on this community in Fulham, schools, families, places of work.
cafes and the bars and all the hidden things from our sight that the Lord sees, ways in which he's longing to bless, to encourage, to strengthen, to inspire, to release. We join in that great cycle of blessing as we present ourselves, as we give our offerings, as we risk 